Welcome to the Muckle Teo Football Show. My name is Miles. One day late doing this show in the morning, Monday morning instead of Sunday night. My voice a little bit tired because I was at the game Seahawks versus Browns. I didn't even really watch Sunday night football between the Chargers and the Bears. I came home, it was second half. I thought, um, oh, Chargers got this, which is probably the last team that you should be thinking, ah, the Chargers got this, considering their second half woes. Uh, they scored zero points against the Chiefs last week. Um, but ultimately, they did beat the the Bears um, pretty handedly. You know, we got Bajent in there. It was a good story last week, but clearly overmatched. Um, and we, I mean, how many shots... And even just like, even just like me watching, I watched the basically the second quarter and maybe some of the third quarter, and I saw more uh, camera shots of uh, Bajent's arm wrestling dad than I've seen of Taylor Swift all year. <laughs> just saying, we we seem to have a bit of a double standard on that tolerance. So I'm not even going to talk about Sunday Night Football, <laughs> Bears, Chargers. Who cares? Chargers won. I'm going to talk about Brown Seahawks because that's the game I was at. You know, I, one of the reasons I don't do the the show on Sunday night when I go to the game is because you really don't have a chance to digest any of the other games. You know, you're kind of watching, you know, some of the some of the morning games. Um, you know, we were tailgating uh, on Occidental Avenue right in front of the the stadium there. Apple pie moonshine in a jar, a beer, a backup beer, a jello shot from someone who found them in her purse. You know, this is the kind of thing you do. So you can't really, I basically, in the morning I wake up, I start to piece together what else happened in the NFL, Um, you know, and and, and the rest to the the voice there too. I was shouting the whole game at PJ Walker. I was shouting, PJ Walker is a wrath, referring to his week six and seven games against the 49ers and the Colts in which PJ Walker just continued to get calls after call after call after call. He should be 0-2, but he's not because he has at least four really, really great uh, for him calls that went his way that shouldn't have, in my opinion. Um, And of course, when you're in the stands, every call that goes against your home team appears to be complete BS. Um, the, the tried and true method, and this is just a tip for anybody going to any NFL stadium, is that if the stadium is not showing the replay of the penalty, it was probably a penalty on your team, <laughs> or it probably wasn't going your team's way. Um, but the big highlight of of the game, and the reason I chose this game to go to, was the retro uniforms, and they really leaned 1990s. You know, which is when I first started watching football. They had the Allison Chains guitarist for the national anthem. We got Bill Nye raising the flag. I started a Bill, 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 Bill chant. We got Ken Griffey Jr. on the big screen. Gary Payton, uh, Sonics things going on the big screen. Nirvana blasting all over the place. We're finally far enough away from Nirvana where those of us in Seattle can maybe start to enjoy it. Um, it's just kind of such a funny thing. I've talked to this, you know, my friends and I have talked about it too. It's like growing up in Seattle in the late nineties as, as my, my generation did, you know, I wasn't really, I was a baby when Nirvana was coming out 
but growing up in the late 90s, Nirvana was like so overplayed. And especially f- in football context, every time the Seahawks would play, we'd get Nirvana or Pearl Jam go into commercial breaks. Like that's all that matters about Seattle. But now we're, we're removed from it. We're, I feel like we're finally able to start coming back to Nirvana. Um, it hasn't been like completely overdone for us at this point. Um, and man, the Seahawks uniforms look great. It's the helmets that make it right. You got the royal blue, you know, with the but with the silver helmets, the royal blue jerseys and the silver blue helmets, and the more colorful blue and green in the logo. A little bit of a nicer hawk on the on the helmets. There, he's got a, just a better facial expression. Um, looked good, and I guess we're rolling those out uh, week thirteen uh, against the Cowboys as well. So. Everyone had throwback jerseys on in the crowd, too. I was amazed. I had my Bobby Wagner throwback. I saw a lot of Wagners, a lot of Metcalf, Lockett, Walker, Witherspoon. Not much Geno. I did. I don't think I even saw a Geno retro. And then, of course, we had the Kennedys and you know, Cortez Kennedy, Steve Largent, Kenny Easley, some Big Walt, Big Walter Jones in there. I don't know if those were actually for sale, if those were the Nike uniforms or if those were the, the Mitchell and Ness ones. Like, I have a Kennedy from Mitchell and Ness. Um, but you know, I, I do, I, the, my one regret is that this event, cause the, the field was so cool. They had the Seahawks decal in there. They had the stadium, uh, or the end zone with the old Seahawks, like font. So cool. My only regret is this didn't happen six, seven, eight years ago with Marshawn Lynch still on the team, you know, with Russell Wilson, with, with Doug, Doug Baldwin, Cam Chancellor. Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, like to have those jerseys, that'd be awesome. So um, this is my s- second time going to a Seahawks game since COVID. I went to, um, I went last year, I went to a uh, uh, Brock Purdy's second start uh, in Seattle there. That was Christian McCaffrey's third touchdown in his current 17 game streak. So I was there. And I knew, I oh, that's three in a row. He could keep going. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say anything. Um, but as you heard, on this very podcast, you heard it here first, folks. I called it. Once McCaffrey scored his touchdown today, his 17th touchdown in a row, they CBS said he broke the record. Just like NBC said he broke the record in week five because that was only Emmett Smith since 1990. Fox said McCaffrey broke the record in week six because that was pre or only only a Super Bowl era, only post merger. So that was just breaking the Riggins and OJ record. Then ESPN last week said he broke the record because from scrimmage, discounting Lenny Moore's record because he had recovered a fumble as part of uh, part of his streak. The record has always been 17. It has always been Lenny Moore. This week, CBS announces he broke the record. It's just funny to me that like you could put together a graphic of McCaffrey breaking this record over and over again. How many times is he going to break the record <laughs> if we just keep slicing and dicing it? And there will be another one too. <clears throat> There's a Tomlinson one, uh, 18 regular season games in a row. So that one, that one will come as well. But okay, back back to the Seahawks. I I didn't I knew that McCaffrey had scored because it was early, uh, but I didn't know the Bengals were going to beat the 49ers. You just you're just not plugged in, you know. You're kind of walking by certain bars. You see all oh, the Jets and Giants. Oh, somebody, oh, who's in for the Falcons? Who's playing quarterback for the Falcons? Who's playing quarterback for the Giants? You're like seeing that a little bit. Um, maybe if I was on my phone more, you know, maybe ten years ago I would have been, but I I just can't do that anymore. It's just the game, man. It's fun to watch NFL football. And, um, you know, the crowd isn't what it was. The Seahawks crowd has quieted significantly 
since since uh, you know 2011, 2012, 2013. More people are sitting. I mean, the Browns they're huddling up. You know, the the they got a former XFL quarterback PJ Walker, and they're huddling. You know, I mean, you know, it's it's not like it was, um, but the game was good. It was a first quarter party, man. 14-0 lead. Tyler Lockett's playing Steve, doing Steve Largent things out there. Jordan Brooks sliced through the strip sack fumble like a Chad Brown. Witherspoon's out there locking him down like Sean Springs. And Geno Smith turned into Rick Meyer. <laughs> Started throwing costly interceptions that kept the Browns in the game. And credit to the Browns defense, too. Obviously, there's um, they're one of the best defenses in the league. But uh, at the end of the half, a, a pretty bad interception. And then after the Browns had, had basically completed their comeback, tied the game at 17, Geno Smith, another bad interception uh, in the third quarter. You know, it just wasn't wasn't his best performance. I I later heard uh, the broadcast being pretty hard on him. Uh, it was it didn't seem like that when we were watching. We we're just kind of cheering and cheering and cheering and watching. I was mostly watching Miles Garrett to be honest. What a fast giant man! My namesake out there, Miles, miles to miles. Miles respects miles. You know. Um. And, uh, so it was, it turned into kind of a punt fest. And then of course, I, I still, I still need to understand this, but right before the two minute warning, the Browns call a timeout. So there's two minutes and four seconds on the clock. It's a third down. They're up by three and they just let PJ Walker throw it. I mean, I guess that had been working against the Browns and the Colts, right? You'll get a call. They, they got one call, uh, but they just pushed their, pushed their luck too much. Um, and tipped by Jamal Adams, intercepted by Julian Love. And then we got the ball with, you know, 50 yards to go. And I just knew we were going to get it. That's like, that's Pete Carroll football. Keep the game close, keep it sloppy. And then suddenly the offense works. It's like, it's just because it's not Russell Wilson anymore. And it's Geno Smith. I don't know. It's just Seahawks football. Um, and uh, Jackson Smith, so seven seven yards to Lockett, nine yards to DK Metcalf, twenty seven yards to Fant. We're we're at the nine, and with forty four seconds left, get that screen pass to our rookie Jackson Smith and Jigba scores that touchdown, and the crowd's going wild. But as always, the best part about being in a Seahawks game <laughs> is the the part after we get the lead, where the the other team has to drive to get either a field goal or a touchdown. In this case, PJ Walker. 38 seconds to get a touchdown, 75 yards down there. That's the loudest the crowd is. We, I mean, we rattled his bones on that one. Gave him a little Kaepernick taste. Um, and then we, Daryl Taylor got the sack, you know, just like a Cortez Kennedy kingdom moment. We cheered. And it was so loud. That was awesome. Now, the kingdom was a big subject of discussion. The kingdom is in the in the back of our jerseys. There's like a little, little uh, kingdom logo. Um, there was a virtual mascot named Domi who was talking to us throughout the game. I'm not making that up. <laughs> um, but this did not remind me of the kingdom in any way. First of all, we had air. <laughs> there was open air. And it, you know, it didn't smell like urine and beer. I think we romanticized a little bit about the kingdom now. You know, we remember obviously the the Mariners refused to lose and some of the Joey Galloway, you know, years, but um uh, I think we're romanticizing a little bit about how the kingdom was. Uh, Lumen Field, formerly Central Link Field, sort formerly Quest Field, is fantastic. That's the stadium that we want. Uh, but yeah, good win by the Seahawks. 
Welcome to your football show. This show is football, everything, NFL history, legacy, ups and downs of a season. We've got shows after the primetime games. Of course, this week is a little bit different as we're doing the Sunday show Monday morning. We'll do the Monday show Tuesday morning. I know, but um, that's just kind of how it goes when you uh, when you throw a wrench in the schedule. Well, I took a long time in the Seahawks-Browns game, so we'll discuss. Um, so we'll, let's discuss the Bengals win over the 49ers. Um, and tomorrow, and the and let's talk about the Oilers because I love, I loved that. But we'll talk about the Chiefs be, uh, losing to the Broncos. We'll talk about the Kirk Cousins injury and, and how much that sucks. Um, tomorrow's episode, but starting with the Oilers, which I love saying because <laughs> the uh, you know it's been so long, <laughs> it's been since I was a child. Right, right as we're doing the Kingdom Royal Blue and Silver helmets, I'm also walking up through the stadium. And that was the screen catching catching our eyes various places here is the Houston Oilers are on the screen. Of course, they're they're the Tennessee Titans. We have to call them the Titans, even while they're wearing Oilers uniforms and their end zone is painted with the word Oilers. It's still a Titans touchdown. Not really understanding all of that, but it was so cool. Uh, seeing Derrick Henry and the Earl Campbell, you know, his Earl Campbell Halloween costume, basically. <laughs> 22 carries for 101 yards. And I love that because it, Henry had a long of 14. So it was truly an Earl Campbell type of day. 22 for 101. I think he had like 30 receiving yards as well. So just keep trucking on. Um, and speaking of Earl Campbell, you know, one of our favorite running backs here at the Muckle Two Football Show, former Houston Texan DeAndre Hopkins scores three touchdowns as a Tennessee Titan in a Houston Oilers uniform. So I'm not sure how do Houston fans feel about that? I, I don't know. I kind of try to think of it as like, how would I feel if like Gary Payton went to the Oklahoma, Oklahoma city thunder, but they were having like playing in full Sonics uniforms with end zones that were painted with Sonics for some reason, still don't get this Tennessee Titan Houston other thing, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think I would feel very good about it. So Houston fans probably not feeling very good about it, but uh, DeAndre Hopkins gets his three touchdowns, ties Earl Campbell on the all-time touchdown leaderboard with 74. So really cool. And those touchdowns, of course, came from Will Levis, rookie, making his first start. He had four total touchdowns, smartly getting the ball to Hopkins as he should against the Falcons there. Let's hold off all Levis judgment. Look what we just did with Bajant. And let's just wait. <laughs> let's just wait. We'll we'll see Levis Thursday. Uh, so, and the the Oilers or the Titans beat the Falcons twenty eight twenty three. The Falcons benched uh, Desmond Ritter, though Arthur Smith says no, he didn't. Um, just kind of being a prickly contrarian as he's he's wont to be reminds me of his uh, his like why aren't we targeting targeting Kyle Pitts and Drake London because we're here to win football games and he's like two and four. <laughs> Like at the time, it's like there's some <laughs> cognitive dissonance there, uh, Mr. Smith. Um, but yeah, Desmond Ritter. I mean, the 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 real reason, like you can tell yourself a story, but it's probably pretty obvious. The real reason Arthur Smith isn't coming out and saying he benched Desmond Ritter and Desmond Ritter is playing bad is because he's been talking up Desmond Ritter this whole time. If he what if he hadn't been talking up Desmond Ritter, he could admit that he benched him, but he he can't because he doesn't have that 
that's a bad sign for head coach. Unfortunately, that's that's kind of a kind of a common thing in the NFL, which I uh, always get worried about. But um, let's. That was a good game. That was the other great retro game of the day. Will Levis is a big story. Hopkins, huge day. Derrick Henry looking good in his Halloween costume. Let's talk about the other one. Let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals putting the 49ers down to a three-game losing streak. So the Seahawks are in first place in the NFC West all of a sudden. We're five and two, 49ers are five and three. Now they have their buy. So we have to kind of prove it here in, in week nine. I don't know if we're going to hold on. I, I certainly think the 49ers are the, the more imposing team on paper. I did, I actually didn't think the 49ers played that bad in this game or that Brock Purdy played that bad. However, it is funny now that 49ers fans suddenly want to discuss nuance and context uh, for win loss records all of a sudden. When Purdy was 10 and 0, there was no wiggle room. It was 10 and 0, period. You can't argue that. Now it's 10 and 3 and we got to look at how he played individually. All of a sudden, you know, it's like what how convenient. Um we can we can stop talking about Purdy as Brady or Montana or as an MVP for crying out loud. Um and it's 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 cathartic to have that happen for most of us Purdy doubters. However, Purdy played fine in this game. He played like he always played. He was not the reason they lost. Sure, they he threw the interception to Pratt, uh, which was really a great play by Pratt, who tipped it up to himself and <laughs> and then intercepted it in the in the red zone. Uh, just a reminder of the insane athleticism here in the National Football League. And then his next throw was to Logan Wilson. That was a bad interception. And defenders were frankly dropping those while while he was 10 to 0. Now they're catching him. You know, that that type of uh of luck is going to swing one way or the other the pendulum is going to swing one way or the other um but the 49ers are still they had 460 yards against the Bengals here they moved the ball well uh better than they did against the vikings on monday it, it seems like it's the 49ers defense we should be worrying about joe burrow's certainly healthy so maybe this isn't a great game to judge but the Bengals really got things going when they when they needed to they they did what you would actually absolutely expect in the offseason. When crunch time came, when drives were needed, Joe Burrow did it and Brock Purdy didn't. Who's surprised about that? <laughs> but the thing about the defense is, is we're not in the offseason, right? We're in week eight. And we had this like first month of the season where we're talking about the 49ers defense is one of the best. They're dominant. Nick Bosa has disappeared. I mean, Fred Warner and Eric Armstead still playing well, but... I mean, the, the, the 49ers, it may not be fair to judge them against the, the healthy Kirk Cousins Vikings and the healthy Joe Burrow Bengals. Obviously, defense is mostly about matchup. But we were talking about a dominant defense, and now we're not. So 49ers, they're going to be fine. I just think we need to dial back what we were talking about when they were 5-0, and which I said in my original preview. I said the 49ers have hemorrhaged coaches to the Jets. Dolphins and Texans. And this is where it's showing up in these little things. So yeah, they have a three game losing streak. The talent on that team is too good uh, to, to be super concerned, but we can unpencil them in from the Super Bowl at this point. All right. My name is Miles. We'll be back Tuesday morning for the Monday night show.